Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. Uh, this week on the show, we talked about the II and the very convoluted <laughs> Ptolemaic dynasty. I'm so glad you did this one. I did not mention it to you because she was on my list for a long time. And I did what you initially did, which is that you looked at it and got very overwhelmed and went later. Except I uh-huh. look at it, get very overwhelmed and go, I can't. I just can't. Well, <laughs> so um, as I started working on this, uh, it felt like it had some of the same beats as the Zoe and Theodora episode that we had just done. Um, and so in other circumstances, I might have put this off a little bit more for later. But uh, very fortunately, during the pandemic, I have generally been able to get every resource I needed or I've had enough of, enough other stuff going on that I've been like, okay, I can just, I can put this off until I can get to that library again. Um, there's one thing in particular that has been on my... <laughs> Uh, on my list for a really long time, there is one specific book that I really want. There is one library that is near me that has it, and just I just can't get to that library right now. But I have had Arsinoe on my list for a long time, and I would kind of poke at it, and then I realized there was a book that was in my library network, like my local library network that that shares resources among themselves. Um, and for a long time, that wasn't operating because of the pandemic. It has started again, and the library has started up just a very lovely contactless pickup system for the books. Nice. Um, and so I was like, great. It says it's going to take a little bit longer for requests to be fulfilled. I'll go ahead and put this in, and I'll just go ahead and do this episode when it gets here. And then it turned out to get here actually pretty quickly. And I was like, well, I got to do this episode now because it's a library book. It's going to need to go back in two weeks. Um That was thing number one. Thing number two was you and I record typically on Tuesday mornings. Since Mm -hmm. I already had this library book and I already had all this other stuff that I had pulled to research this episode, you and I recorded on Tuesday morning. And then on Tuesday afternoon, I started to try to read about the Ptolemies and everyone was named Ptolemy. And my brain just rebelled. It was like, nope, we're done. Done for the day. You want to try to concentrate? It's not going to happen. You should just call it a day and go take a ride on your exercise bike because whatever you're attempting to work on, it's not going to work. After I had a nice, you know, sleep, got up on Wednesday morning, had a lot more success with it. Still, their family tree is like one of those ficuses with a braided trunk. It is. It's hard to pull it apart, so I'm thankful to you for having done that. All the Ptolemies. Yeah, it's rare. I mean... (laughs) I frequently, when I'm writing episodes, will try to just, like, when we come back from sponsor break, kind of just, like, nudge whatever is the thing back to the top of people's brains. Because I know you're, a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're doing other stuff. Uh, Maybe you're a little distracted, taking a walk or doing dishes or, you know, people whose jobs allow for podcasts to be listened to while they're, like, people are distracted a lot of times. And so, like, I'll a lot of times repeat somebody's full name or repeat some little detail, like, just a little thing to kind of resurface what was happening before the break. This is the first time I feel like I have had to have a whole paragraph of sort of a, like, buttercup is mirroring Humperdinck in little less than half an hour <laughs> recap, <laughs> <laughs> which is what this felt like to me after the second ad break. Oh, uh, uh, all the spindles. Um... 
it's one of those things, right? This comes up all the time, and I know I probably always sound like a hippie, but I'm always like, why would anyone want to seek out power in this structure? Like, just run away. Run away. I mean, it just sounds... so, like, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Arsinoe of Egypt and Macedon, that's the book that I got from the library, um, uh, by Elizabeth Donnelly Carney. Um, like, a lot of the book is not directly about her because we know so little about her, and so much of it is about, like, here is all of the total chaos and stress that was going on in her life as, you know, when she was a child and the other wives were all trying to guarantee some kind of future for their sons and the dynasty, like, all of that just sounds exhausting and terrifying to have to try to live through, especially when she was, like, a daughter in this whole system and had very little agency for anything with her life. Um, And it makes me think about uh, other women we have talked about in other contexts, like, uh, prior hosts of the show did a lot of stuff about the Medicis um, and the stuff that that Catherine de' Medici did that was uh, regarded as just entirely underhanded, and a lot of it was like trying to guarantee some kind of future for her children. Right. I do wonder if if the disappearance of her son Ptolemy isn't him noping out of that structure a little bit, being like, yeah, that's a good I don't question. really need, need the power here. I can yeah. go. Maybe just have one wife and have a family. I don't know. Maybe. Seems easier. <laughs> We're going to start just a little little olive farm, maybe. <laughs> that sounds heavenly. If you were raised in that, doesn't that sound like just yeah. the ultimate peaceful escape from all of it? But we don't yeah. really know. He may have had a whole other agenda. That's me projecting yeah, what I would do in that situation. <laughs> well, and there are so many people named Ptolemy that it's it's hard to know for sure what exactly became of him. So anyway, that's our Sinaway. Um, I feel like the most tangliest dynasty that we've talked about on the show. This week we talked about Ciceretta Jones. Yeah. I really, really uh, came to adore her while researching her. Yeah. Um, I have to say... She was a very striking woman. Like, she knew how to wear a dress. Like, I could look at pictures of her all day because Mm -hmm. she was very, very beautiful, but also just, like, had great style and, like, she's just phenomenal. Um, There were a couple of things that I wanted to mention that they didn't really quite make it into the episode because it was running long and you got to cut something. One thing that I wanted to talk about was the, the name of the Tennessee Jubilee Singers. Um, because they were actually kind of coasting on the success of another group, which was the Fisk Jubilee Singers, Mm -hmm. which was a music group that had been touring to raise money for construction and other projects at Fisk University and was also Mm -hmm. an all-black troupe. And so they were, everybody started putting Jubilee in their name, hoping that, like, you would do it. And it actually became one of those things that leads to some confusion in articles about her, where people will say she was a member of the Fisk Jubilee Singers, and it's like, that's not true. Um, But to further complicate it, I don't even want to dog any of those people that have written that, because there were instances where she was performing in some of those multi-act bookings where the Fisk Singers also were, so I understand how people would overlap them. Yeah. Um... (laughs) It just was one of those things I kept trying to untangle it. And I'm like, this wait, this says she is a Fisk. No, this is no, this definitely says she was not. Um, it's a little bit tricky in that regard. 
We talked in the episode about how often reviewers talked about her looks. Mm-hmm. It's so unsettling, and I shouldn't be surprised because we've run into this before, but they almost start to describe her. Some are very flourishy and a little bit florid, and they talk about how beautiful she is and, and whatnot, but others will only talk about that after they have kind of analyzed her almost as though she were livestock, and it's so dehumanizing. Oh, yeah. Like, where they'll even talk about, like, what her teeth looked like and, like, just really strange, obsessive discussion of her sometimes trying to make it seem like they are not looking at it in a racist way. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know any other opera singer where you talked about her teeth for a paragraph. Like, I don't. This is weird. Um, One thing that's interesting, though, is that we talked about the name Black Patty and how just unpleasant it is, um, particularly to modern ears. But it's interesting because when she toured Europe, European critics were like, I don't like this name, uh, <laughs> which was not something that she ran into as much in the United States, although there were occasionally some. But, I mean, they would call it out and be like, I don't understand why she's billing herself this way. This devalues her. Why is she doing this? Uh, which is just an interesting insight into the different mindsets of different places at that time with regard to to race. But also there was that issue that she talked about where to her it wasn't necessarily that she took offense because it made it about her being Black. She just didn't want to be compared to another singer as the way she was booked. Right, right. Um, Because that's devaluing in a whole other way. Um, Yeah. We also mentioned how she talked about and sidestepped issues of really discussing color and race in a lot of interviews. She would definitely address things. I mean, we referenced points where she was like, black people shouldn't be treated like this as an audience member. Mm-hmm. Um, but she really did seem to think that if she could just go out and be a black woman who was singing to mixed audiences, that that was going to help push the needle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, without necessarily, she kind of took that attitude of if you're too assertive about it, you're going to do more harm than good. Right. But if they just see me, then then this will smooth the way a little bit. There are certainly discussions to be had around the merit of that approach versus sure, others. Sure, sure. Um, but it is interesting that she really just saw, like, music as an ambassadorial effort to fix some of the problems in society. Yeah, yeah. Um, her uh, troubadours really were, in ways that were often not called out or particularly well-documented, breaking a lot of those those grounds where they would be the first Black troupe to appear in various theaters. But it wasn't ever, like, something that they drew attention to because she she didn't want that. Right. It's, it seems she didn't want it. I don't want to presume that I know what she wanted, but it seems that they did not bring that up in the press and say, we are the first company of Black performers that... um, There was one story that I saw that was kind of funny and I thought it would be a good place to to land at least my part of this discussion, which is that there was one particular theater where they were the first... I think not only were they the first Black troupe to perform there, but the theater had made the concession that they would not segregate the audience. But the poor ushers didn't know what to do because they had no training 
on how to handle it. And so there was some panic and it was like they just got through the night. But the ushers were like, we don't, we've only done segregated. We don't know how to do this without people yelling at us. And I'm not sure how this is going to work. But it worked out again. Singing, singing, smooth that one out. But it's an interesting story that, um, you know, we often talk about when people... uh, sort of want to want to strip away the the old ways of doing things that are inherently racist and how there is a logistics question that often comes up in there right about Mm -hmm. i feel for those poor ushers who didn't know what to do with themselves or their guests um and probably being yelled at by people who did like where they were sitting mm -hmm. yeah uh with no like advanced training of like okay, next week we're going to have this thing and we're going to change our policy and that's going to be hard. It was kind of like, tonight it's integrated. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, That would be a little hard. Yeah. I kept being struck by how many parallels there were in her story and things that happened to her and the way the press talked about her. And, you know, things that you still hear from performers of color today about Mm -hmm. how their touring lives are and about how they're talked about in the press. And uh, it was one of those things where it just, you know, reminded me that a a lot of these same underlying issues are still operating in in much the same way as they were. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy for people living today, I have certainly done it at times, to think like, oh, people weren't enlightened and they weren't thinking about things in this way a hundred years ago, 150 years ago. But then you read accounts and they absolutely were. There were absolutely people (laughs) shouting about how foolish looking at people's race and valuing them based on it were. There were certainly people going, no, we should be integrated. This is stupid. Um, Yeah, so it's a little heartbreaking because then you're like, well, then why haven't we gotten any farther than we have? Right. (laughs) Um, I I don't have a good answer for that one. I mean, I have some answers. They're unkind, but I still don't know why we haven't gotten farther. I didn't end on quite such a happy note. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I dragged away your happy note. Right? I was telling the funny story. Uh, I will tell everyone, please go look at pictures of Ciceretta if you can with all of her medals because they're beautiful. Yeah. There's like a beautiful, gorgeous Victorian gown with all of these medals pinned to it. Yes. And it just looks cool. And I'm just going to plant this for someone out there. This would be a beautiful historical Halloween costume. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So we um we are resurrecting our, uh, our social media that have lain fallow for too long. Been a bit languishy. Yeah, and uh, and I had been getting pictures to accompany episodes this whole time, even though we somehow never managed to put them anywhere. Um, and this morning, I, I got one of Ciceretta, and then I had already read through the outline, but I read through it a second time. And when I read through it a second time, the, the part about her, about the medals becoming this iconic look for her, and I was like, I gotta go get a different picture. So I intentionally <laughs> went and got a different picture that has her and her dress with the medals pinned to the bodice beautiful uh yeah yeah i hope people dresses her for halloween i hope people dresses her for tuesday Um, (laughs) i love a victorian gown and again she had amazing style oh Mm. man she had great style um so hopefully that's the scoop so yeah since it's friday everybody hope you have a good weekend whatever's on your plate uh we'll be back with a brand new episode 
Well, first we'll have a classic episode tomorrow, and then we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 